Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Talk Recorded live. This is SFR News Alternative. Stop a very bad thing. The trade deal with the fast-track bill has been denied. In the news today, opposition, including hundreds of thousands of citizens from coast to coast in this nation and Democrats, have the power to stop the fast-track bill. In Washington on Friday, the House of Representatives delivered a blow to President Obama's signature goal of strengthening ties with Asia. But he could try again as soon as Tuesday, June the 16th to reverse that defeat of a measure central to a Pacific Rim trade pact. There were Democrats, as well as Republicans, that reject a program to give aid to workers who lose their jobs as a result of U.S. trade deals with other countries, a 302 to 126 vote. Trading partners, such as Japan, have urged the U.S. to pass fast track to help wrap up the Pacific Rim deal, covering 40% of world's economic, economy, economy. Excuse me. The House would also pertain in the bill would be cut Medicare by $700 million, pass job-killing legislation, undermine worker, consumer, and environmental protections, gut financial reforms, give corporations even more power. Corporate lobbyists are counting on the fact that most Americans know very little about these bills. That's why we need to grab the attention of everyone to get them to not pass this fast-track bill. It's going to come down to a handful of members of Congress who will make a choice between siding with their constituents or choosing corporate interests instead. And many of these representatives imagine that their constituents aren't paying attention. So we need to stop the fast-track bill. In other news, more of a bad idea? Two Iraq war veterans in Congress are standing up to call for even more war. Representatives Ruben Galeo and Representative Mark Taki are currently organizing a sign-on letter against escalating the U.S. military mission in Iraq. Representative Gal Elgo and Taki know about Iraq because they fought there they, they fought there themselves. They understand the hard truth that American troops will not bring peace to Iraq nor heal the bitter sectarian divide feeling the conflict. They understand that if the Iraq military won't fight, as it has repeatedly failed to do when ISIS has advanced, we cannot fight this war for them. As Representative Galeo and Taki say in their letter, while the Iraq military and the Iraq people deserve our support in this struggle, an enduring victory over ISIS will only be possible if they demonstrate a real and lasting commitment to defeat our mutual foe. If we fight in their stead, our success will be temporarily and our gains will be fragile. 
Unfortunately, there are hawks in Congress and on the campaign trail calling for a massive escalation in U.S. troops being sent to Iraq. Senator Lindsey Lindsey Graham, Republican for South Carolina, who is also running for president, has called for 10,000 troops to be sent back to Iraq. Others have called for even more. These dangerous calls for more war are gaining ground in Washington. It is time to admit that the solution to Iraq's instability will not be found through bombs or boots on the ground. Failing to do so will put yet more Americans at risk while pouring fuel on a fire that the U.S. military cannot pull out. Complimentary story by Stephen Mills. Also, a new government research shows that female military veterans commit suicide at nearly six times the rate of other women. A startling finding that experts say pose disturbing questions about the backgrounds and experiences of women who serve in the armed force. Their suicide rate is so high that it approaches that of male veterans, a finding that surprises researchers because men generally are far more likely than women to commit suicide. Dr. Matthew Miller, an epidemiologist and suicide expert at Northeastern University, who was not involved in the research, says it's staggering. We have to come to grips with why the rates are so obscenely high. As far as the suicide gap, suicide rates vary by gender and veteran status, based on an analysis of nearly 174,000 suicides in 23 states between 2000 and 2010. Annual number of suicides per 100,000 population? Among people who never served in the military, women kill themselves far less than other than men. 5.2% for women, 20.9% for men. Among veterans, the suicide rates are much higher but also much closer. Men, men, 28, men 32.1%, women, 28.7%. Though suicide has become a major issue for the military over the last decade, most research done by the Pentagon and the Veterans Affairs Department has focused on men who account for more than 90% of the nation's 22 million former troops. Little has been known about female veteran suicides, so the rates are highest among young veterans. The VA found a new research compiling 11 years of data for women ages 18 to 29, veterans kill or have killed themselves at nearly 12 times the rate of non-veterans. In every other age group, including women who serve as far back as the 1950s, the veteran rates are between four and eight times higher, indicating that the causes extend far beyond the psychological effect of the recent wars. This data includes all 173,969 adult suicides, men and women, veterans and non-veterans in 23 states between 2000 and 2010. It is not clear what is driving the rates. Veteran researchers and experts who review the data for the time say that there were numerous possibilities, including whether, whether the military had disproportionately drawn women at higher suicide risk and whether sexual assault and other traumatic experiences while serving played a role. Whatever the cause, the consistency across age groups suggest a long-standing pattern. 
Dr. Michael Schoenenbaum says, we have been missing something that now we see. And military suicide researcher at the National Institute of Mental, Mental Health says that it is becoming an epidemic. And with that, the, the next story, Kayleigh Browder was held at Rikers Island for three years without trial, commits suicide. Who is Kayleigh Browder? Kayleigh Browder was the youngest of seven children and nicknamed Peanut by his family described being unable to rid himself of the fears that had consumed him in jail. Mr. Browder was sent to Rikers Island when he was just 16 years old. He was accused of stealing a backpack. Though he never stood trial or was found guilty of any crime, he spent three years at the New York City jail complex, nearly two of them in solitary confinement. He insisted on his innocence, and he refused a plea deal. In October 2014, an article written in the New Yorker by Miss Jennifer Gonnemer said his case became a symbol of what many saw as a broken criminal justice system. Mayor Bill de Blasio cited the article this spring when he announced an effort to clear the backlogs in state courts and reduce the inmate populations at Riker. Mr. Brower was putting his life together. He earned a high school equivalency diploma and started community college, but it was found that he continued to struggle with life after Riker. In jail, he had tried to commit suicide several times, he told Ms. Gonimer, that he was repeatedly beaten by correction officers and fellow inmates, but she said she did not really realize the extent of the abuse until the watch security videos showed him being knocked to the ground by an officer and attacked by inmates. Ultimately, prosecutors dropped the charges. In the course of the three years Mr. Browder was being held, they lost contact with their only witnesses. There were some good moments in the two years after he was released. Um, Mr. Browder was given a, a community college tuition by an anonymous donor. His story attracted the attention of celebrities like Jay-Z and Rosie O'Donnell, who invited him onto The View and gave him a MacBook Air laptop computer. Senator Rand Paul, Republican of Kentucky, talked about him in a campaign speech, and he also sent his condolences to the family. Mr. Browder's mental health deteriorated. He became paranoid and last Christmas was hospitalized on a psychiatric ward, according to Ms. Gonnerman at Harlem Hospital Center. On Saturday, June the 6th, Mr. Browder pushed an air conditioning unit out of a second-floor window at his parents' home, wrapped a cord around his neck, and, according to Ms. Gonnerman, pushed himself out of the opening feet first. His mother heard the noise and, according to Ms. Garnerman, went outside to the backyard and saw that her youngest child had hanged himself. Mr. Browder was 22 years old. Are you a cat lover? You might want to hear this next report written by Kelly Benden. Cat poop parasite linked to schizophrenia in humans. Felines, those sweet bundles of fur, could be harboring something serious inside their systems. Two new studies have linked Toxoplasma gondii, also known as the cat poop parasite, 
to increase rates of mental illnesses, including schizophrenia among cat owners, reported by CBS News. This poop parasite is found in kitties living in developed countries across the world and can infect any other warm-blooded species. Most humans who come in contact with the parasite don't develop symptoms, but once infected with T. gondii, flu-like symptoms, blindness, and even death are possible. Now, studies are showing that persistent exposure to the parasite could also be linked to mental illnesses. Cat ownership since childhood has now been reported in three studies to be significantly more common in families in which the child is later diagnosed with schizophrenia or another serious mental illnesses. This study was done by E. Fuller Torrey of the Stanley Medical Research Institute and also Dr. Robert H. Yolkin of John Hopkins University School of Medicine. The studies also by A.L. Sutherland from the Department of Psychiatry at the Academic Medical Centra in Amsterdam reviewed other studies on T. gondii and its connections to mental disorders and found people infected with this parasite are twice as likely to develop schizophrenia later in life. What is schizophrenia? In schizophrenia, the evidence of an association with T. gondii is overwhelming, the authors of the press release said. These findings may give further clues about how T. gondii infections can possibly alter the risk of specific psychiatric disorders. T. gondii cat poop parasite is often passed between cats through infected cat feces and eggs. The parasite can also be found in under, undercooked raw meat and unwashed fruits and vegetables. Contact with T. gondii has also been linked to birth defects, addiction, and obsession compulsive di- disorder. Researchers say there are a few simple steps that cat owners can take to prevent coming in contact with this T. gondii known as peep cat poop parasite. Children can be protected by keeping the cats exclusively indoors and always covering the sandbox when not in use. Also, cat owners should also make sure to clean out the litter box daily since T. condii doesn't become infectious until one to five days in feces and avoiding feeding these felines raw milk, reported by CBS News Tory. McKinney officers target of twin protests. In this report, written by Joben Paniker, who was at the scene of the rally Monday, writes, more than a 1,000 people rallied outside Comstock Elementary School in McKinney Monday evening, braving the heat to send a peaceful message. The majority were asking for justice after they say McKinney Police Captain Eric Casebolt, who is white, was seen on viral video throwing down a 14-year-old black girl and upholstering, unholstering his weapon on several of her friends in the wake of an altercation at a McKinney pool last Friday. Fire him were shouts and chants. Children should be able to live in liberty and freedom like everyone else's children, one speaker says. 
There was also a small group at the rally offering support for the police officer who is now suspended during an investigation of what happened. One person screams, no laws, no peace. And Mr. Caseboat as in, is in hiding because he's in fear of his life because of the threats. The majority of demonstrators made their way down Silverado Trail to the Craig Ranch Pool where the incident occurred. I don't want to be in a sub situation where I have to go to a funeral, said one speaker at the rally, saying the situation could have been much different. But as the march continued, there was a few who lingered to the challenge, those who supported the officers. The conversations started politely but quickly became combative. Some protesters were within inches of each other, but McKinney police officers were within earshot. There was a second rally Saturday morning, second rally, there was a second rally staged Monday evening in front of police headquarters. Captain Eric Caseboat, a patrol supervisor, remains on administrative leave and is said to be in hiding because of alleged death threats. According to his now deleted LinkedIn page, Caseboat joined the McKinney Police Department in 2005. In 2008, he was named Officer of the Year. Prior to that, he served as a military police officer in the U.S. Navy and has also worked as a Texas State Trooper. You can read more about this story on CNBC News. What poverty, what poverty does to the young brain? A freelance writer, Madeline Ostrander, based in Seattle, writes, the brain's foundation, frame, and walls are built in the womb. As an embryo grows into a fetus, some of its dividing cells turn into neurons, arranging themselves into layers and forming the first synopsis, the organ's electronical wiring. Four or five months into gestation, the brain's outermost layer, the cerebral cortex, begins to develop its characteristic wrinkles, which deepens further after birth. It isn't until a child's infant and toddler years that the instructions or the structures underlying higher-level cognition, willpower, emotional self-control, decision-making begin to flourish. Some of them continue to be fine-tuned throughout adolescence and to the first decade of adulthood. A one Pat Levitt, a developmental neuroscientist at Children's Hospital Los Angeles has spent most of his career studying the setback and accidents that can make this construction process go away. In the 1990s, during the media panic over crack babies, he was among a number of scientists who questioned whether the danger of cocaine exposure in urito were being overstated. Urito, utero is the, the wound. More recently, as the science director of the National Scientific Council on the Developing Child, he has become interested in another sort of neurotoxin called poverty. As it turns out, the condition that attend poverty, what a National Scientific Council report summarizes as overcrowding, noise, substantial housing, separation from parents, exposure to violence, family turmoil, and other forms of extreme stress can be toxic to the developing brain, just like drug or alcohol abuse. These conditions provide the body to release hormones such as cortisol, which is produced in the adrenal cortex. Brief bursts of cortisol can help a person manage difficult situations, but 
high stress over the long term can be dangerous. In a pregnant woman, the hormone can get through the placenta to the fetus. Dr. Levitt told me, or told the potential writer of the story, potential influencing her baby's brain and tampering with its circulatory. Later, as the same child grows up, cortisol from his own body may continue to sabotage the development of his brain. In March, in the journal Nature's Neuroscience, a group of researchers from nine hospitals and universities published a major study of more than a 1,000 children. They took DNA samples, made MRI scans of the children's brains, collected data on their family's income level and educational background, and gave them a series of tests for skills like reading and memory. The DNA samples allow the scientists to factor out the influence of genetic heritage and look more closely at how socioeconomic status affects a growing brain. The scans focused on all over brain surface area determined partly from the depth of the folds on the cortex and the size of the hippocampus, a lumpy curl structure nestled in the middle of the brain that stores memories. As might be expected, more educated families produce children with greater brain surface area and a more voluminous hippocampus. But income has its own distinct effect. Living in the lowest bracket left children with up to 6% less brain surface area than children from high-income families. At the lowest end of the income spectrum, little increases in family earnings could mean larger differences in the brain. At the middle and upper income levels, though, the money-brain curve flattened. In other words, wealth can't necessarily buy a better brain, but deprivation can result in a weakened one. A person whose brain has been undermined in this way can suffer long-term behavioral and cognitive difficulties. In March, a study appeared in the journal Atta Pititidia showing eerie ultrasound Im- images of fetuses that more frequently moved their mouths and touched their faces when their mothers were either stressed out or even more so when they did smoke of cigarettes, likely a sign of delayed nervous, nervous system development. In a longer-term study published two years ago, neuroscientists at four universities scanned the brains of a group of 24-year-olds and found that in those who had lived in poverty at age nine, the brain's center of negative emotion were more frequently buzzing with activity, whereas the area that could rein in such emotions were quieter elsewhere Stress in childhood has been shown to make people more prone to depression, heart disease, and addiction in adulthood. So over the past decade, the scientific consensus has become clear. Poverty perpetuates poverty, generation after generation, by acting on the brain. The National Scientific Council has been working directly with policymakers to support measures that break this cycle, including better prenatal and pediatric care and more accessible preschool education. Dr. Levitt and his colleagues have also been advocating for changing laws that criminalize drug abuse during pregnancy since, as they pointed out in a review paper, arrests and incarcerations can also trigger the maternal stress response system. 
the story that science is now telling rearranges the morality of parenting and poverty, making it harder to blaming problem children on problem parents. Building a healthy brain, it seems, is an act of barn raising. That was a story by Madeline Ostrander, a freelance writer based out of Seattle. This is SSR News Alternative.